Would you pray with me? Thank you for words of eternal life, O Lord, for drawing us into your very heart and ministering to us there and sending us out from there. And I just pray, Lord, that everyone here would find in you everything that they need and even more. In your name we pray, amen. So our gospel reading this morning will conclude a kind of a mini-series on the appearances after the resurrection where uh, Jesus appears to Thomas and Mary and Peter and now the disciples uh, in glorious fashion. Like a lot of these appearance texts, they're short and dense and powerful. And uh, we're going to find a lot in this text. Um, it's, a, it's kind of a, a challenging time in the narrative that we're on. Uh, for those of you that may be uh, visiting or haven't been here for a while, uh, we are in a year of preaching through the Gospel of John as part of our desire to move mo- even more closely into Jesus' own heart. You can see our, um, our icon that we've been contemplating here of John the Baptist leaning on the breast of Jesus and as a picture of where we belong, uh, which is right that close. It's where Jesus wants us. And uh, so John, the beloved disciple, is teaching us how to do that. And we're uh, right after the resurrection in in our story right now. And uh, there's unsettledness in the ranks, as you can imagine, because Jesus died. And that was not part of the plan. Uh, As far as the disciples were concerned, they had no idea yet. But they've been hearing things. They've been hearing that something happened that makes their, uh, makes their heart race, which is that Jesus actually, uh, sorry folks, I just wanna make sure I don't um, extend my welcome up here, so I'm starting my clock. Um, uh, they're hearing things from the women that Jesus' body is not in the tomb and, um, and in fact, it's not. And Jesus is now beginning to unfold his resurrection. And, you know, we often have a, kind of an attitude about God as, Lord, Lord, why don't you just make it more clear? Right? Why, why is it such a riddle all the time, trying to figure out who you are and what you're doing? But we forget, I think, that God is not that kind of person. <laughs> if, 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 if he weren't gentle with us, we would... I don't know, we vaporize, not because he's bad, but because he's just so good. And it takes time for God to disclose himself to us, to kind of show us what it's like. We're creatures in time. God is not, but we are. And thank God he decided to come into our lives this way. But, you know, think about it. I mean, it's pretty powerful that Jesus rose from the dead and, and the way that he comes to, to his disciples is quite something. Um, he comes to them as a group here and then often he'll come to them one-on-one and that's the way that we are in our lives too. Jesus is showing himself to you. He is. But that doesn't mean that it's always easy to understand because we're working it out. And um, I'm working it out with this text because, you know, we're not on the, we, we went off lectionary. It's kind of exciting when I say it that way. It's not very exciting, but it sounds like it's 
off the grid. Uh, these texts we put together are not the standard lectionary texts, so you can uh, imagine my surprise when uh, Bishop Stewart last week sent in his text for what he's preaching on next week, which is exactly this text. Uh, <laughs> And I thought about whether I should change midstream, but I decided not to, but I don't want to steal the bishop's thunder. He's got a lot of thunder, so I'm not too worried about that. And uh, I encourage all of you to be here next week. He is a really dynamic speaker. And yet, it is the same small text. So um, I'm kind of just assuming that if the Spirit guided us in this direction for text selection, he will continue to guide me in what it is that I should focus on here. Um, so I'm going to bring just a couple things out, and we'll start you contemplating what you might be hearing from the bishop next week, too. Um, there's a couple of uh, reasons why this text is such a fitting text for Bishop Stewart, because he's going to be uh, confirming folks next week. And if you were in Sunday school class this morning, you'll hear some of these kind of themes here of mission and sending and the Holy Spirit, and these are all things that are important for what the bishop will be doing next week. I want to focus on something in particular today about mission, but before I do, I just want to make note of something here that I'll refer to a little later on, and that's Jesus' expression of peace. Now, one of the challenges that you can encounter sometimes in reading the Gospel of John is that Jesus says things like that, that it's hard to imagine people actually saying, well, peace be with you is one of them. It, you know, it's hard after the 1960s and 70s to really say that without conjuring some kind of a hippie, you know, the dude abides, you know, and, and that's just not what Jesus had in mind here at all. When Jesus says, peace be with you, it's hard to convey the, the depth of what he's conveying in an expression like that. I go all the way back to the start. Um, this, this Hebrew word for peace is shalom. It has to do with wholeness, completion, it's not really so much perfection in the way that a scientist would think about like a perfect math problem or something. It's the perfection of maturity, like a ripe apple. Shalom means that all things have been made well. All things have been resolved. All things have been restored and made new. When in Genesis 1, God looks out over his creation and he says, behold, this is very good. It's a very similar idea. And when Jesus, in his resurrection body, steps forth into the room of his disciples and he says, peace, that's what he's communicating. It's been complete. All things have been made new. I have won the victory and I am restoring all things to myself. It's not just a kind greeting only. I think it was also that. It can be a common greeting to say, peace be with you, shalom aleichem, even if we haven't, don't know any Hebrew, sometimes we're familiar with that, that kind of thing. Um, Jesus wanted his disciples to know that he's with them, and that's a familiar thing, and that's a good thing. But it's even more than that, and he says it twice, and when the Bible says something twice, you always make note of that. Um, you know, uh, that's why Jewish people get married um, on, which days is it, Tuesdays and Thursdays? Because in, the, in Genesis 1, when God creates on those days, he says it was good twice. So Jewish people want to get married on that day because that day he said it twice. And uh, I think that's great reading of scripture, actually. Here, Jesus gives his peace twice. 
I think you're gonna hear more about that next week, so I just wanna draw that out. There's something universal about this that I wanna get back to at the end of my sermon. When Jesus says peace, he's saying it is finished. It's restored. My work is complete. And his disciples were glad. I like that word a lot. Um, Glad is an important word around here. I'm glad to be with you, we say to each other. And they were glad to see Jesus, and he was glad to see them. That's what fellowship with the risen Christ should look like and feel like. Peace and gladness in the presence of Jesus Christ. Peace and gladness in the presence of Jesus Christ. That's what it should feel like for a follower of Jesus Christ. Do you have that this morning? Peace and gladness in the presence of Christ? That's what he's giving you. That's your right and your privilege. Such intimacy. Imagine it. Jesus standing there before them, risen, alive, restored, even more than restored, victorious. They could hardly fathom it except that he was there and he was conveying his peace. And he said, it's okay. Don't worry. I'm right here. There's no fear here. And Jesus goes on then to say, as the Father has sent me, so I have sent you. That's what I want to focus on today is our mission. I'm sure the disciples were hardly prepared for this statement of Jesus. Right into the heart of fear and darkness, peace, gladness, and commission. I've got work for you. Enough sitting around. You guys, I'm not gonna let you pity yourself, poor disciples. (laughs) I've got work for you to do. And it's good work. It's intimate work. It is built on relationship and intimacy. Now, why do I use those two words, relationship and intimacy? It's because I know the men in our church will love, no, that's not why I say that. Um, I'm sure that relationship and intimacy aren't the, words that roll off our tongues the easiest, but there's a point to this. Listen to how Jesus describes the context for mission, all right? You know, I played football, and and I hear that like the football coach, you know, kick me in the butt and get me out there, get get off your butt and get out there and do something, you know? And that was kind of inspiring because that's what you do in football. Um, If that's the way I live my life in general, it wouldn't be so inspiring. But this is not that. This is not the context for mission. Get out there and do better. That's not the context for mission. What's the first thing? He says, as my Father has sent me. So there's the word Father that comes forth first right in this commissioning. It's the most relational word that Jesus could have used to those men, Father. And then he says, just as I was sent. Do you see that in the text? Just as. That is conveying an extraordinary togetherness. They had not felt that before. Jesus was the master. He was the rabbi. He was the teacher. We follow him. He didn't say, just as, come do this with me. Wow. Father, togetherness, and then he breathes on them. It's a very close, physical, personal expression, you know. He could have done it some other way probably, you know. Um, But he didn't. He breathes on them. 
so personal, so physical. Can you imagine? Breathes on them the Holy Spirit. This is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit wrapping their arms around the disciples and saying this is where you belong and it's from here that you will be sent out. The love of God the Father, the risen Lord Jesus Christ, God the Son, and the power and intimacy of the Holy Spirit dwelling in them. Jesus Christ, as hard as it is to imagine, is closer to us now than he was to those disciples then, standing in the same room. Paul says, Christ in you is the hope of glory. This is the commissioning of the apostles, and it's a commission that extends to all of us through them, his church. Be a magnificent moment when the bishop lays his hands on the confirmands and he sends them out. That goes all the way back to the mission of the apostles. This is what it means to be God's people, is to come right into the very heart of God and to move out from the very heart of God, except that we never move out from the heart of God. He goes with us. It's a co-mission. You know the word commission? It's mission together. It's not mission apart. It's not the football coach kicking me out on the football field. It's doing it together. Commission, a together mission, a mission that unites us to God in a unity as strong as the bond between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It seems hard to believe, doesn't it? It should, probably. It should seem hard to believe, because it's amazing. Only God could possibly have thought of something like this. This is what I love seeing about the disarray of the the disciples. It's not because they're extraordinary men. They're not silly. But it just highlights the fact that only God could have ever thought this up, that he could say, I'm gonna take people just like this, so ordinary, and I'm gonna draw them into my very heart, and I'm gonna commission them to do what I do. But there's a danger zone in a story like this, and because it's so incredible and so rich, we can read something like this and we don't feel that it's really talking about us. That's the danger zone. A story like this is so incredible. You know, you got Jesus walking through doors and saying, peace be with you, and breathing on them, and it seems like somebody else's deal. But friends, that's not true. In fact, though it may be hard to believe it's true, my purpose this morning is to actually challenge us on this very point. Jesus is calling his disciples to a mission, and it's a mission that belongs to every single one of us. I'll say it even more priestly. It belongs to every single one of you. Me too, of course, but I want that to hit home. It doesn't matter if we feel separated from a calling like this. I know it may feel like that, but we must understand why. If we say that's somebody else's mail, we have to understand why does it feel like that. We have to address it together. As followers of Jesus, we do not have the right to stand apart from Jesus Christ. John says it this way, you have the right to become a child of God, 
You have the right to become a child of God. You do not have the right to stand apart from him. You can make that choice. You can decide that you don't want to be a part of it. You can decide to remove yourself. You can decide to jump tracks and do your own thing. But that's not your right. Your right is to be a child of God. And God the Father has chosen you to conduct his mission through Christ in you. And if that sounds strange and uncomfortable, then this is a great opportunity actually to seek God's counsel, to seek the counsel of the Father who loves you so much that he sent Jesus to die on the cross to establish a relationship with you. He's given you Jesus, he'll give you everything. If you ask him to explain it to you, he will. It may take time, but he doesn't condemn you. There's not a shred of condemnation in God the Father for his children. You have a right to become a child of God. What does it mean to be sent? There are two senses, at least, that I, can, uh, that I want to kind of focus on. When, it, when Jesus says uh, to, to the disciples, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you, there are at least a couple of ways we can consider that. One is, we are sent just like Jesus was sent. Jesus was sent, we're also sent. In other words, we're not passive, we're not just kind of sitting around. We're sent, just like Jesus was sent. Here's kind of how I can translate this into my own life. I remember um, when I was in high school, uh, I was a year behind Rebecca, and uh, she went off to college, which was devastating to me, not so much for her, but I used to write letters, long letters. I, it was painful, awful to read those probably. But, um, <laughs> Anyway, got to a point, you know, where um, I wanted to go and visit her. Now, that is a little risky, you know, the boyfriend going to visit the girlfriend to college, you know. Uh, but it seemed reasonable to me at the time, and, and I talked with my dad about it. And I had already established in my home, this is my own story, you know, that there was a sense of trust. You know, Beck and I had been together for a long time. There was integrity, good judgment. I was becoming a man. I was about 18-ish. And my dad said, where are you going to stay? I said, well, I'll be staying with the youth group leader, you know, the house there. You know, what are your boundaries? I said what they were. You know, we went over the gas and directions and car, and he, you know, and he said, I trust you. You can go. And I'll tell you what that did for me is I felt like what my dad was saying, I was your age once, just like I had to become a man you're becoming a man. Jesus says, just as I was sent, you're also sent. Just like I once was young and became a man, I can see that's happening to you. You're sent. You go on your journey. And that was a real blessing to me. In my, uh, in my office at home, I have a, uh, a little token of, of expression here. This is a, uh, a doctor's bag. My dad used to make house calls. And uh, I just had that sitting there on my shelf. This is kind of like a symbol of my dad's vocation. And um, it reminds me that just like he was sent, you know, with his work and, and an expression of what it means to be a family doctor making house calls, 
I'm also sent. I don't have a life exactly like his, but I was sent like he was sent. And one of the, the things I really like, I'm gonna leave this up here actually. There's a reason I'm gonna put it there. My Bible was given to me by my dad for my ordination and it was held over my head by my bishop, my spiritual father. It's also a token that in the same way my dad was sent, in the same way that my bishop was sent, I'm also being sent. You're being sent. You have a mission. I don't know what it is. I know kind of what it is because the Bible says it and I'll get to that. But you have tokens and expressions of how it is that you're sent in your life. It's there. It's not absent. There's another way of being sent, and it's being sent for the same purpose. Jesus is saying, just as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you for the same purpose that I was sent, and that purpose is the same for all of us. It is to reconcile. What does that word mean? It means to bring broken things together. It means to bring broken things together. That's why Jesus came. Things were horribly broken. Relationships were broken, people were broken, the earth is broken, it's all broken. It was very good, and it's been broken. And it's been broken in such a way that those people can't fix it. And so God said, I will fix it myself. And he sent Jesus to do just that. John says in chapter 3, verse 17, God sent the Son into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. I love the way Paul says it in the second letter to the church in Corinth, chapter 5, verse 17 and following. This is a very beautiful passage that aligns well with what we're talking about here. Paul says this, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. That's the breathing of the Holy Spirit. Remember how the breath of God hovered over the waters and the spirit moved and created. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. It's essentially saying, what happened to you, I want you to help that happen to other people. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their sins against them, but entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. That's why we're here. That is why we're sent. Just in this, what Jesus was sent for, we are being sent for. What does this mean for us? It's not meant to be abstract again, but personal. Paul talks about being ambassadors, God making his appeal through us. Where? Right where you are in the life that you have. That's the hard part. The very points of challenge for us, our families, our jobs, our friendships, our neighbors, our hobbies, our responsibilities, our desires, our burdens, these are the places that God is sending you with the commission to bring them into reconciliation with God's world. 
God's kingdom, God's reign. You're to go and plant the flag and say, here God reigns. Now, for many of us, this is where we're going off track and we're saying, well, that's just not possible. I mean, you had me until right there. (laughs) But it just doesn't work that way, pastor. You know, um, I love it. People, people, you know, they'll, they'll stand around me and they'll say, they'll, they'll say, they'll give their plan, you know. And then they'll look at me and they'll say, oh, sorry, you know, I, I, I know, you know, God may want me to do this thing, but I gotta just do this thing. I'm not like you. I'm like, well, I, I'm sorry to say it, but you're exactly like me, actually. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> you know, the robe I wear is representative of all of the robes that you wear as priests in God's kingdom. It would be easy if it were easy. I learned this yesterday in the men's group when Lance said that. Lance Safford said, things that ought to be easy should be easy, which sounds very wise to me somehow, and I've been (laughs) contemplating that. (laughs) That's an engineer for you. See, I'm a philosopher. Things that ought to be easy should be complicated. (laughs) That's how I look at it. Friends, I know some of us are in a world of mess. And that's why the Holy Spirit is breathed into you. Because you can't do it yourself. One teacher of the church said it this way, it's not easy and indeed to govern the church of God, to carry the embassy of eternal salvation, to erect the kingdom of God on earth and to raise men to heaven is a task far beyond human capacity. Yeah, that's right. That's why we don't have the right to say, I'm gonna do this my own way. Friends, do you realize that that impulse to say, I don't care what God wants, I know what I want and I'm gonna just do it. Do you realize that's what broke everything? Do you realize that's the center of gravity for why Satan came in here? That impulse to say, I'm just gonna do it my way, that's what's wrong. And it will always lead to the same conclusion, brokenness, tragedy, and sorrow. There's only one way for a Christian, that's to plant the flag of Christ's rule and reign. You don't have to do it all. You can't fix it all but you can be a minister of reconciliation because Jesus said, just like I've been sent, I'm sending you with the same equipment. (laughs) Myself in you, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and reconciliation to God, the Father, and creator of all things. Let's face our challenge this morning. I know it doesn't always feel like we're up to it, you might be saying, look, I just feel so alone. I don't even really understand it, right? I don't even understand what reconciliation looks like. I'm already past the point. Some of us might even be saying, look, I really actually want to be alone. I really want to do it my own way. My temptation or my vengeance or my anger or my desire is so strong that I actually don't want God to be involved with it. I want this for myself. It's not easy. One of my favorite definitions, and I'll be, I'll, be, uh, I'll be concluding here. One of my favorite definitions of prayer is this one. Prayer is talking to God about the things that we're doing together. 
prayer is talking to God about the things that we're doing together. Bring the hardest things into that conversation, not the easiest things. The things that are the most confusing, the things that are most broken, that's what you want to talk to God about. And you can because he gave you the right to become a son and a daughter of God. Repent of wanting to do things apart from him. The temptation's strong to do it. Just, just confess it and say, look, I don't know what it means. It's actually quite frightening to do things together. I've lived this long by doing it my own way. Whatever you need to say, just take that step of faith and say, but Lord, I'm, I, but you know best. You love me. You are my father and I will do it together. Co-mission. Each of us has a doctor's bag or a Bible or a token of, of our commission. And I want you to think about the Eucharist that way this morning. That's the most important expression of your calling of all. Jesus did this for you. He broke the bread and the wine. He broke his body and shed his blood. Freely you have received. Freely give. Just like he was sent. He sends you in the power of the Holy Spirit with the gifts of eternal life. Amen.